0: Good morning. In preparation for Brother Bob Harding's lesson, he's asked me to read from Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Again, that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And it reads, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Well, we always look forward to the first day of the week, don't we? Where we come together and we have challenges through the week. But despite all that, we praise God for all things he has given to us. He's done, done for us and he will do for us as well. So we give thanks and praise every first day of the week as we sing songs of praise and to his name. We have really qualified people who are to lead us in songs. Uh, we have uh, prayers and uh, we pour out our heart to God in prayer and supplication, and uh, we do that together. And uh, we also partake, surround the table, and partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering his death, burial, and resurrection. And certainly it is uh, a, a special blessing to be able to do it with the best people in the world. And uh, so. And uh, every every one of you are, are so cordial, and so nice, and so good, and uh, knowledgeable, a lot of knowledge in this group. And so I'm especially thankful and encouraged and blessed to be able to, now we have the opportunity to study God's Word together. And as we do, we want to thank uh, Alvaro for that fine reading on uh, Colossians chapter 2. You notice in verse 8, that was really the one about philosophies and uh, empty deception and uh, the elementary principles of the world now the rest of that is something that we are to believe we are to believe in the deity of Jesus Christ for an example in verse uh, 11 then uh, we are involved with a circumcision not made with hands and we are buried with him in baptism these are things that we believe so the first verse verse 8 is really has to do with philosophies. That's what we're going to talk with about in this lesson. But at the end of the lesson, we're going to come back to the truths that are stated here, uh, especially that uh, in verse 12 about baptism. And uh, we'll see how that ties in with what we have. We've been uh, looking at um, everything uh, that we study should be in the light of God's Word. And so it's God's Word where we study and look at, Um, uh, comparison of the philosophies of men, the deception of man, and then see what God's Word has to say about that particular subject or those subjects. And uh, Calvinism, of course, is one that teaches uh, what we call tulip. Now, they made up the the name tulip, where the first uh, letter of each of uh, the word tulip is uh, a doctrine. And uh, about three four hundred years ago they came up with it when they were in a, uh, a synod uh, together. And uh, that's what they formed. And um, I always had trouble with that idea of TULIP, thinking that it was some man-made doctrine that comes from somebody else, uh, comes from somebody that's against uh, the idea of TULIP. No, this is their own people that have this, uh, this doctrine. And, of course, uh, they teach that man is totally depraved, born that way. Uh, he, there's nothing he can do about it. And so we have the idea of being unconditional, as we suggested, and look at in every one of the points, unconditional according to Calvinism, that there's nothing that you can do, that God does everything for you. And, uh, and, and that if one of those things falls... Uh, those tenets, then they all would fall because they all stand or fall together. So, in its own uh, sense, it is a logical progression uh, that you would follow. But the p- progression and the law is false. And so, we've been looking at that and show how easy it is. And for example, unless you become like a little, uh, like a little this little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so certainly Jesus would not use someone who was totally depraved to, uh, to say this is what you should be like, like little children. And he's talking to adults, there are adults, and they are to be with that attitude as a little child would have. And uh, so that's the idea. As a result of that particular belief, Calvinists teach that a man can do nothing good, and therefore the next tenet under the U uh, of Tulip, is unconditional election. That's where he chose some to be saved, some to be lost, and there's nothing that you can do about it. So if you're one of the saved ones, you're, you can be as, as rotten as you could be, and you're going to be saved. But we're, hold on. There's going to be some help coming to the one that is chosen by God according to this doctrine of Calvinism. Closely connected with that is limited atonement. That's where there is a limited uh, number of people that are going to be saved we read their writings where it shows that um, that uh, uh, you cannot add or subtract from that number It's uh, exactly that number as, as, as God has chosen each one so whatever God does is got to be right and whatever man does is totally right so God's going to have to do it all so all of these is uh, based on being unconditional. But we have looked at each one of these as being that there are conditions in the Bible very clearly. Even in the context of those proof texts that Calvinists use to show that uh, God is going to do it all for you. That you're uh, just uh, incapable and totally depraved. So once God determines that one is going to be saved, then uh, he's going to have the I, the uh, irresistible grace. That this irresistible grace is going to be manifested in uh, such an overwhelming, uh, supernatural uh, way that you cannot resist it. That's why it's called irresistible grace. And now we're going to uh, look at that that one today. So uh, that's all you can do about it. Now let's... Look, in Ephesians, now, we believe in predestination. This is all based on their idea of predestination. Predestination is a Bible term, and it means to decide before. And so God has made decisions before, and we looked at those in Ephesians chapter uh, 1, and for one place, uh, many other places, but there's a good one to look at. In verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So if we want to be blessed by God, we must be in Christ. Then in verse 4, just as He chose us in Him, where's that? In Christ, before the foundation of the world. When's that? Before He created this earth. Before the foundations of, of the earth and the whole world. Before He even created man. He had this plan that he chose in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. In verse 5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So we believe in Bible predestination but not the Calvinist idea or definition of predestination or the application. And so what we find in these verses, in Ephesians 3, that God did not choose individuals. Calvinism teaches individual, individual. And then uh, they're lumped together. But God has done all that. What God has chosen, if you read closely, it says those in Christ. He did this before the foundation of the world. So what you have is not individuals being chosen, but a group who has responded to the gospel in obedience as we learn and, and uh, understand very clearly through many, many scriptures, and therefore we're in Christ. Where's in Christ, every spiritual blessing is in Christ. So there's where you find out salvation. And so the question will be, how do we get into Christ? And of course we've studied and looked at that before, and we'll see a little bit more on that at the end uh, of the lesson. So uh, it is a group. Now let's look at some of their ideas of, uh, uh, by the Calvinists themselves. I'm not going to, uh, there's some before that, it's really not uh, necessary. Um, it might be something that's already said or repeated. But I'll just start off with man who is altogether passive therein. Now this is what they are writing. This comes from the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is the, what is used by the Presbyterian Church. And so uh, he is altogether passive, being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit. There's, the, there's where they call the irresistible grace. And what we are? Passive. That, that means there's no conditions. It's going to be God doing it all unconditionally. And then enabled to answer this call and embrace the grace offered. Uh, Another uh, quotation is, His will is renewed through this process, so that the sinner spontaneously comes to Christ of his own free choice. You get that? Now we started out, and the Calvinists started out, with the idea that you are born totally depraved. You can't make a good decision at all. And therefore, then you're going to be chosen. And then you're going to be a specific number that's going to be chosen. You have nothing to do with it. All of a sudden, now you're going to have the freedom of choice. But you can't get the freedom of choice without the irresistible, spontaneous uh, idea and miraculous uh, uh, interjection of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so that's where... Uh, we're going to see there's a lot of people that are caught up into that they don't even know anything about Calvinism but they know what this is the irresistible grace that the the spirit is going to work on you so you don't need to be obedient to the will of God um, in you know being baptized as we read in uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 but you just all you have to do is have this experience uh, there's something that's overwhelming by the Holy Spirit. Uh, another quotation: uh, uh, "Spontaneously come to Christ in His own free choice, being made willing by His grace." So God's going to extend His grace, and He's going to make you and give you the irresistible Holy Spirit, irresistible grace. You can't resist. It's so overwhelming. It's so overpowering, and then you're going to have the freedom of choice. Now. Now, that's a contradiction that we've seen already and all, all of that. Well, uh, as we uh, go, out, go to uh, another uh, Calvinist, although the general outward call of the gospel can be and often is rejected. So here's the outward call, it's rejected. But, even though you rejected the outward call, you're not lost yet. The special inward call of the Spirit never fails. You can't resist it. We're going to look at some scriptures to show that the the spirit can be resisted. I think a lot of you uh, probably know uh, those very well. Uh, To result in conversion of those whom it is made. This special call is not made to all sinners, but is issued to the elect only. Only those that are chosen. that God chose before the foundation of the world. I mean, he, he made that choice as well. And so there's nothing you can do about it one way or another. Okay, the Spirit is in no way dependent upon their help or cooperation for success in His work of God's grace in saving sinners. It's irresistible. And so we've read enough to understand this is what they believe. And uh, uh, we're going to look at now and summarize what Calvinists believe. God's saving grace cannot be resisted. It's irresistible. We just read it. If God's grace can be resisted, it places God in an unworthy position of being dependent upon His creatures. You see, if God can't make decisions and make everything go His way and, make, and be involved with all the decisions, then he, what He is saying is God cannot control His creatures. Well, God did set something in place, didn't He? He set the free will. He set the conditions of and uh, uh, exercising our free will, our choice. So if someone interjects and, and overrides that, that's really going against the will of God. God set us up with the idea of free choice, and so that that makes God then uh, dependent upon his creatures. So he depends upon you. God doesn't need anybody. He's been from eternity. He started and created man. I mean, how many, how how many years was he already? It was eternity. He's always been. (laughs) We can't put a number on it. But then he started the earth. Now, what did he do in all that time before he created the earth? He was self sufficient. He had all the attributes and all the things that that uh, that he claims he has in the Word of God. He's all knowing. He's all powerful he, he he's all everything so God has all wisdom he's always had it there never has been a time when he didn't have it and so just because he created something doesn't mean that's where he he, uh, he now all of a sudden he's going to be dependent upon his preachers God left it that way with free will choice and we talked a bit, little bit about that uh, otherwise we'd just be robots and And uh, God wanted something that had the choice to love him back as he loves us. Okay, so then, um, uh, one God determines a a person is going to be saved. Once God determines a person must be saved regardless of his desire. You don't have a say in a matter. See? Okay. One cannot believe, even if he wants to, without this irresistible grace. So if you don't want to be saved, you don't have a say in the matter. So you can go on and live your life as a, uh, but you know you're going to have this irresistible grace, and it's going to overwhelm you, and you're going to be changing your life. It's going to change your heart and everything. Well, uh, that means it never can be resisted. So how do you know if you're one of the elect? I mean, how do you know that you're one of these that the Holy Spirit has operated on you? I mean, is it so overwhelming? I don't think half of these people could really give something that's really out of the ordinary in order to do it. So, uh, uh, so how, how do you know if you're one of the elect? Well, the only way I know that I'm one of the elect, or you are one of the elect, is through the Word of God. We have the Word of God. That's what he left for us to be the final judge and decision in our in our lives. Okay, response to Calvinist. Uh, now here is in the Old Testament. Now in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-six, I mean eleven through sixteen. Zedekiah. And his name sound familiar? If <laughs> we had Jeremiah, we've been studying. Uh, we studied a lot about Zedekiah. He, he was a puppet king. He, uh, uh, he wasn't really um, a, a good king. And, knows, and we'll read that here. Uh, when Zedekiah was 21 years old, he became a king. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of his God, and he did not humble himself before Jeremiah, the prophet who spoke to the Lord. He rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he stiffened his neck, he hardened his heart, as the verses go on, In verse uh, 14, the people were very unfaithful in following all the abominations of the nations. But notice in verse uh, 15. The Lord, the God of our fathers, sent word to them again and again. And then uh, you might have a footnote or it might have that instead. Rising up early by his messengers. Rising up early. God is eager to save people. God is eager for people to be obedient to Him. He rises up early in order to do it. Notice the next verse, uh, or the latter part of that verse, because He has compassion on His people in His uh, on His dwelling place. But what did they do? How did they respond? They respond that uh, um, uh, to the God's grace. God had, uh, Why did God's compassion motivate Him to send the messengers to? people who could not respond. So how do the people respond? They continually mocked the messengers of God, despised His words, and scoffed at His prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people, until there was no remedy. They're going to resist Him. They'll never accept the Lord. Here is the, the idea of, here's conditions that are attached. In the Old Testament, so, what we find in the New Testament is not some new foreign teaching that somehow some people uh, that were theologians and uh, had doctors in front of their names and so forth uh, came up with. I mean, the, the, God has talked about this a long time ago, and uh, people just didn't believe that kind of thing. And uh, so, uh, could it be that God's offer was conditional? That's why they didn't respond, they had a condition either accept God's terms or not and that's what Zedekiah was not willing to do and neither were the people they were stiff-necked and they were uh, very very hardened so he extended it to the lost but how can it be irresistible if it's rejected they clearly reject it so how can it be irresistible So uh, that's uh, one thing. Let's go to the New Testament. Here's some proof text that they'll use, but let's look at it closer. It says in verse 14, The Lord opened her heart, that's uh, uh, Lydia, Lydia's heart, a woman named Lydia, Tyra Tyra, and, and to her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Well, Calvinists say, God opened her heart first, and then she heard it. So she heard, God opened her heart, now she's ready to hear, and then she is saved. Now I think they got it out of order. That's what's so neat about Luke and in, uh, in the writers of the Bible. They put it in order, and it's in order. So it's, look, it's the response. Uh, in verse 13, of course, uh, that's where Uh, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate onto riverside, and they were supposing that there was a place of prayer. So there was a people who were worshiping God. Lydia was one of them. And uh, she began as a worshiper of God. Then she heard preaching. What did she hear? She heard the preaching, listening. She was listening. After that, then the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Romans 1.16 is where I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, where it is the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You want to talk about power, the Word has just as much power as the Holy Spirit does. Because we're going to see that they work together, one or the other. When one is mentioned, the other is, mentioned, uh, is, is included, even though they're not mentioned. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the power of God, it's the word dunamis, the dynamite. God's word has enough power, dynamite, to blow us into heaven. He has enough. There's there's power, and so uh, power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, how much more power can the Holy Spirit have than that? In that uh, in this sense, in this uh, context, and then the response was: What happened to her? In uh, verse uh, fifteen, it says. Uh, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged just saying, you know, stay with us if you, you know, we've been found faithful. So she was baptized. She obeyed the Lord. So here is uh, when you look at it. I, I had verse fourteen. She's a worshiper of God. What was she doing? Listening. That's two. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. I mean, without Paul speaking, what is she responding to? Thin air, nothing, her own mind, her own concept. And that's, uh, that's what uh, we find there. So we must interpret this expression as meaning she was, had her heart opened through Paul's preachings. She responded to that preaching, to the words that he spoke. And then she was baptized. So you think he spoke about baptism? Sure he yeah. did. She obeyed the Lord, and she was baptized. Now, you don't see the word baptism there, but yet she responded that way. So what's automatically inferred? What did Paul talk about? As so many other places, Paul or Peter, in the book of Acts, they all of a sudden, you say, opened up, and they were preaching Jesus, and then, oh, here's water, what prevented me from being baptized? The Ethiopian eunuch, I think, was an example of that. Well, where did they get the idea? Well, when you preached Jesus, what did they preach? Include what was included in preaching Jesus, baptism. So here's what uh, what uh, she did. She uh, that was response. Let's uh, look at the next chart. Now Romans eight seven is where I'll like to go to the book of Romans quite a bit, and here's one of those places. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. For neither is it able to do so. And you pick up some keys there where you it would get the idea that you're born totally depraved you're, you can't obey a spiritual law your carnal mind can't obey it uh, and uh, so forth well let's consider the context here here's in verse 6 he had the mind set on the flesh is death what's uh, what's the flesh earthly material uh, versus the spirit? Uh, But the mind set on the spirit, there it is, the contrast between the flesh and spirit, is life and peace. So the mind that's set on the spirit has life and peace. And those that don't have that are hostile, verse 7, hatred. Uh, They don't subject themselves to what? The law of God. You see, you can't just pick up one verse. Uh, Verse 8, in the flesh they cannot please God. Uh, So I just put the main thoughts in each of those. Matthew 6.24 is teaching exactly the same thing, is it not? And Matthew 6.24 is one that says, uh, uh, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Okay, what is he saying? You can't serve the flesh and the spirit at the same time. You have to serve one or the other. If you serve in the Spirit, and in the Spirit, then you're not fleshly, you're not carnal, you're in the Spirit. You can't do both at the same time. Well, if you decide to do a carnal thing, no longer are you in the Spirit. You can't serve two masters at the same time. You can't, you can't follow two cars going in opposite directions, can you? That's what it's like. They're going in opposite directions. There's no compatibility there. They're totally uh, opposites. And so uh, one cannot serve God while he's serving sin. That's what it boils down to. So now verse 14, talk about being led by the Spirit. Okay, how many times you've heard that? Oh, I'm led by the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. Well, how are we led by the Spirit? Well, verse 14, for all who are being um, led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So how are they led by the Spirit? Well, you've got to go back to verse 7. What does verse 7 say? You subject yourself to the law of God. So if you want to be led by the Spirit, you have to subject yourself to the law of God. That makes you what? Spiritual, not carnal. And uh, in the flesh you cannot please God. Are you, are you hostile when you find out the truth? <laughs> Do you have a hatred? Oh, I wish I didn't know that truth about God and God's Word. We're glad. It may, it may prick us a little bit. It may, uh, it may cause us to change, it may challenge us, but we're glad to know it, aren't we? We're glad to know it if it's from God. Because we're going to align, after we get over our little little uh, fit or whatever, uh, we're going to align ourselves with God's Word. And uh, so, i like to zero in on the sons of God. We already read that in Ephesians uh, 1, uh, 5, but uh, notice uh, verse 12. Who are the sons of God? Well, the sons of God are the ones that are being led by the law of the word of God. That's the verse that we just read. And, uh, uh, and so, for you, are, we are adopted as sons. You know, uh, uh, we're in Christ, back in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. And in Galatians three twenty six, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Where's, what's in Christ? Every spiritual blessing. And so now then, who are the sons of God? The sons of God are those who uh, are subject to the law of God. They're led by the Spirit because they're subject to the law of God. And uh, they're called the sons of God. So who are the true sons of God? Those who are led by the Spirit and subject to the law of God. So it's, uh, if you just keep reading, we, we find out... More about it. You don't just pick out verse seven because the mind of mine, uh, what kind of Bible study is that? Pick out a verse that may you can. What is that? That means a lot of different things right there. So you need an explanation. And guess what? The Holy Spirit did he gave us an explanation. Led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Okay, as we uh, continue on uh, here. Whatever is said of the Spirit is said of the Word of God. In other words, they, they, they work together. Although both are not mentioned at the same time, but you find them working to, uh, together as, as uh, they go uh, in the context there. So God doesn't force anybody to, uh, uh, to accept or reject the will of God. You have a choice. So then, here here it is, uh, uh, born uh, again. I'm not going to read all these verses, but John, uh, it talks about the being born again of the water and the spirit. Uh, and well, First Peter chapter one, verse twenty three: You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. And then he says, All flesh is as grass, and glory like the father of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever, this is the word which is preached to you. So here you're born of the water and the spirit there. You're born uh, by the word here. The word begets us. Uh, And the next one down is uh, gives life. John 6, 63, your words are spirit and they are life. Psalms 119, verse 93 talks about the word being, uh, gives life. Uh, And uh, Titus... uh, uh, talk is the spirit, saves, uh, James one twenty one, the implanted word saves. Uh, so what's said of one is said of the other. There's uh, several more, and there's probably others that you might have on a list uh, that aren't on this one and so forth. In uh, uh, convicts, there's John 16 and uh, verse 7. I'm going to read that one. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go and sin, uh, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Well, what does Titus 1.9 say about the Word? Holding fast a faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able both to exhort and sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. That's the same thing as as being uh, uh, convicting. They're convicting them of their wrong. Um, Romans 8.16, talking about the Spirit testifies. Testifies with our spirit. And and it does. Um, John 5.39 talks about, uh, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. So the Spirit testifies, the Word testifies. Um, uh, Romans 15, 13 uh, gives power. Now may the God of hope fill you with all the joy, peace, and believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has power. But what about the Word? Okay, in John chapter 4 and verse 12, where the Word of God is living, and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart." That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so, can the Spirit do that? Probably. <laughs> but we know that the Word can do it too. Uh, here here uh, in the sanctifies, uh, the Spirit sanctifies, sets you apart. Uh, it is uh, the word where we get holy from, set to set apart. John 17, Thy word is spirit and or, or, or by, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the the word uh, sanctify is used in in uh, conjunction with the word. Um, in um, 1 John 6:11, probably familiar with this. Such were some of you, but you were washed. Uh, But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Spirit of our God. Now Ephesians 5.26. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. And so what is said of one is said of the other, and how it works upon the soul of man. How the Word and the Spirit, the Spirit delivered the Word, revealed the Word. And so they're t- they're going to be together or uh, uh, apart sometimes. Um, comforts Acts nine thirty one uh, the the uh, spirit comforts uh, and uh, Romans fifteen four the word uh, comforts as well. For whatever were written in the earlier time were written for our instruction that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might hope have hope. So they're comforted and uh, there's. Comforted in Acts 9:31. So I just merely brought this in to show that uh, the spirit and the Word uh, lead in the same way. The Spirit leads us, how? By being subject to the law of God. What's the law of God? The, the, the word. And so that's uh, pretty. Now here's some observations that we could use, and we can use it on many other subjects as well. Both the Holy Spirit and the Word accomplish the same task. We saw that. I mean, the Holy Spirit, or the Word doesn't reveal anything. The Spirit did that, of course, but we're talking about how it works on the heart of man. Uh, so both of them had the same task. Uh, often the Holy Spirit or the Word is used alone for conciseness. So just because you go through and see this thing about the Holy Spirit or the thing about the Word doesn't mean the other one's not included. They both have the same work, so if you were reading about this, the same work that we've already read, those verses, and you don't have to have them listed uh, both together. I mean, can you imagine how big your Bible would be if they had to list everything uh, together, uh, and where, where only one is mentioned, the other is assumed. There's no need to write fully every detail of every doctrine with every reference. I've heard of people that did that, there was a doctrine back in the 70s, uh, you talk about the grace, you can't mention the word grace unless you mention the word works. <laughs> and uh, so you've got to mention the word grace and works at the same time. If you mention grace, then you're talking grace only, because that was a big thing going around uh, pretty publicly back then. So, but if you just said works, you can't just say that, you've got to say it grace and works. But grace can be by itself. We're going to see some scripture where grace is there, but does that exclude works or does that exclude anything at all? Uh, so there, there again. Uh, the sum of thy word is true, Psalms 119, verse 105. Okay, now here's a, here's a place where you can look at in Romans chapter 1, and verse 5, talking about obedience of uh, faith. And then, and then all through the book, It talks about faith, 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 and that's where you get the phrase, one of those verses says faith only. (laughs) But he already identified the beginning of the book of Romans, what kind of faith is he talking about? So do you have to mention obedience, faith, every time you mention the word faith? No. And at the end, just in case somebody got lost, in Romans chapter 16 and verse 26, again, obedience of faith is mentioned. That then is preached to the nations, the Gentiles. So uh, it began and ended with obedience of faith. Okay, so someone says, okay, if we see the word faith, okay, and it doesn't have the word repentance. Does that mean repentance is excluded? No, it means, it means no. You, you got to repentance, confessing to the Lord, being baptized. Well, see, it just says faith. And then over here it says, baptize, but you can't put them together. But what do we say? The sum of thy word, S-U-M, is the word of God, not S-O-M-E. That's You'll never reach the truth if that is the case. Okay, so some uh, proof tag. Here's response number two for the one that we just read. Uh, the uh, Calvinist believes that the carnal mind cannot obey the spiritual law. From that verse, eight Romans eight seven. Well, man must have certain attributes. Okay, so here, here we go. Uh, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Okay, that's an attribute to we're to have. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel. That's an attribute that we must have. We can't be ashamed of something and and then uh, not you know say, well, I'm not going to do it because that's embarrassing can't be ashamed uh uh the the power of salvation to everyone who believes now what do you got to do there's a conditional right to everyone who believes who believes not someone that's forced to believe but someone who freely and clearly believes they're not ashamed of the gospel they believe doesn't say anything about the holy spirit working on you irresistible grace or anything like that James one twenty one talks about in humility receive the implanted word. Okay, so here here is the implanted uh, word. Uh, humility. They have to have humility. If you don't have humility, can you be taught? You can't can't that be very good with a teachable disposition and admit when you're wrong and you have to humble yourself? No, so. That is a quality, an attribute that is necessary to have the power of God, His Word and the Spirit working together, work on our heart. God has placed a condition of free will to us in each of these. Um, Receive. Now the idea of receive, why did he put that in there? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Just receive it. You know, you have to check it out. You have to examine it it's difficult to accept something we haven't heard before so we have to check it out, we have to look at it but so in humility you you receive the implanted word uh, the implanted word uh, is it born in the heart is it? the implanted word comes when you're able to understand the word it's then implanted but as a baby you don't have the implanted word so the implanted word the. Let's look, in, uh, so look at all the attributes, not ashamed, believe, humility, receive, um, taking the word in. The seed is the word of God, let's look in Luke chapter 8. Uh, for the sake of time, we're going to see that there were really four different hearts in chapter 8 in verse 11 through 15. We know that uh, 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 three hearts uh, responded to the gospel but one, uh, two of those three fell away. So there was one heart who responded to the gospel that did not fall away. So you have four to begin with, so that's running 25%. So 25% of the people who live here, the first one had a hard heart, wouldn't even receive it, a hard heart. And so uh, the last type, uh, the soil had enough humidity, but what I want to say about the last one is how to have an honest and good heart. It has the humility to hear the word of God. So that's, uh, we got to have a good and honest heart. We've got to be of that kind of soil. The, the four uh, soils represent the four hearts. And, of course, the last heart is the good and honest heart. And uh, that's what we're to have. Um. And um, I just saved a whole bunch of time right there. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so man, man must have certain attributes. Here's another one that we is what we have to have. Uh, in second uh, Thessalonians chapter two verses nine through 12. <coughs> oh boy. Uh, and let's throw to verse uh, 10, "And with all deception of wickedness for those who perished because they did not receive the love of the truth. So what attribute do we need to have? Uh, We need to have love for the truth. These people did not. They had pleasure in wickedness and unrighteousness, and they didn't believe the truth at all. And so you you have to uh, have a love for the truth, not having a pleasure in wickedness. So all of these things are attributes that we mentioned here. It's individual, choice is conditional. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14:15. And so that's basically uh, what it comes down to. So if you remember that verse, that uh, that's going a long ways. Um, the next irresistible grace, here's our, uh, our objections to it. Contradicts uh, free choice. We looked at this over a period of time, um, and uh, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. John twelve, uh, forty seven and forty eight. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings, has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Bobby doesn't have very many little attributes we just read about. Attributes we're all to have. The John five twenty four, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. That's anyone. It doesn't have to be someone who... Uh, has this irresistible grace that you can't really put your finger on uh, at all. Uh, irresistible, uh, all people are called by the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning, that before the foundations of the world, chosen us to be in Christ, Uh, through the sanctification, that is, by the Spirit and faith. So the Spirit revealed the Word of God, and we have the faith to believe the Word of God, to believe what the Spirit revealed, uh, the truth, in the truth. It was for this He called you through our gospel that you may uh, uh, gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We already read that the the, uh, Holy Spirit And the conversion of the sinner does not work apart from the word. And uh, in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And uh, Romans 10.17, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So where do we get faith? Hearing the word of God. Well, what does that do? How is the spirit going to just, okay, forget the word. you just accept this irresistible grace and I'm going to fill you up with this kind of feeling and you're going to feel like you're saved. You see, we're saved because we believe. Calvinists has it backwards. They believe because they're saved. They have salvation first and then saved. So, uh, uh, belief. Because you got to be made to believe. Anyway, um, uh, the third one, salvation always follows belief, John 3.16. And now see, it's, you, you, have, uh, you have belief and then salvation, not backward. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him, what's after that? Shall have eternal life. So belief it comes before salvation. Even in that scripture that everybody quotes. Uh, and so they, they just have things backwards. And... Uh, uh, salvation always follows belief. Acts 16, uh, 31. 1630 One. Here we go again. <laughs> okay, 16, oh, yeah. Anyway, 16.31 has to do with uh, uh, Lydia when she obeyed the gospel. Uh, I can't remember what that one is, but let's let that one go. Hebrews uh, 11.6 is uh, one that says, uh, oh yeah, here it is, John, Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, and you and your household. So there you go, you believe and then you're saved. Uh, Hebrews 11, 6, "...without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that He is everything that God is, claims to be, and He is the rewarder of those who seek after Him." So one cannot be saved without faith, but it is a condition in order to be saved, and it precedes salvation. Um, the fourth one is the Spirit can be resisted. Acts 7:51. Uh, you do always resist the spirit, and we always and we looked at Second Chronicle thirty six as an example in the Old Testament. First uh, Thessalonians five nineteen, quench not the spirit. Hebrews ten twenty nine, uh, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be uh, thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. So can the spirit be rejected? Yes, it can. And we've looked at several passages. Saved by grace through faith, uh, Ephesians uh, 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. However, we use our freedom to choose, we accept this grace by faith, and God doesn't force us to accept it. We have the freedom of choice so as we conclude how do we access this grace this grace is a gift it is something you don't earn it is a gift but and whenever you accept a gift you do something with it you take it in your arms you you carry you do something with it if someone brings you a gift and say well no i don't accept it uh you know it's just it's a gift and so I'll just drop it on the ground. I didn't receive it then. I don't get the gift. So you have to take the gift, you have to open it up, and look inside of it. you got to do something. Let's say God did everything in the universe, and say He put in all the light switches in the world, and everywhere is light, and made the light and dark, and He did all that. Put everything in place. The water, the, the clouds, the, the rain, and put it all in place. And then, And then all we have to do is go flip the switch. So say somebody does that to a building, and we didn't do anything to the building, but we can go in and flip the switch and turn on the lights. So that's doing something, but that's accepting the gift. It's still a gift. We didn't do that kind of work to all the wiring and the building and all that that went into it. All we have to do is walk over to the switch and flip it on. You don't have to hook up the switch. We don't have to do anything. So that's, that's what it's like. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Well, that's a lot there. We stand in the grace of God. We don't stand in irresistible grace. We stand in the grace of God as taught by the Scriptures. We are justified by faith. As we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. And it is an introduction to this grace by faith, uh, Is the, and we exult in the hope and the glory of God. So how do we access this grace, God's grace, God's gift, so, uh, remission of sins? We access it by faith. We have been introduced to this grace by faith. When we obeyed by faith, we are introduced and accepted the gift that God has for us by grace you have been saved through faith Ephesians 2 8 is baptism part of that faith in him you were also circumcised we're going back to Colossians 2 11 that was read uh, in the beginning uh, in, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you also was raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now we don't have to go to a Greek dictionary and look up the word bapto. It it does support it. Uh, You know, One of the definitions is to dip. And and they use the idea of dyeing a cloth. In order to dye the complete cloth, you have to immerse it. So I understand the word dip in my English mind didn't quite fit that, but how it was used back then, the word dip means to immerse. And so here, uh, but we have the definition right here, buried. Buried, not half buried, not sprinkled, not poured. Uh, They would would go and baptize their dog, their chicken. And if they left a tail out, That dog was not baptized. It wasn't buried. It was some part out of it. So, when we are buried in baptism, we bury every part of our body. And then uh, that's. So, which interpretation, scripture or or assumption? We believe on that through faith. And then the last is how do you and I access uh, that grace? Well, we just read, baptism is part of the access. So we have faith in being baptized. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is the gift of God. And so that leaves the lesson uh, to you, for you. And if you need to respond to it in any way, uh, have the desire to be baptized, we can do that right away. And uh, if you need prayers, need help, uh, if you disagree with anything that is said or something wasn't clear and I have to go kind of fast I have I'm like I think I'm like Shane. I have more material than what I have uh, To preach so I have to go through and sort through what to leave out And so i probably leave out a good part, but that's okay I got to leave out some part and now I'm ready to stop. So that's uh Let's stand as we sing a song I've been selected and anybody can respond to me in the